0: section 2 of the rover volume 1 number 14 this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org the rover volume 1 number 14 edited by seba smith and Lawrence Labrie. section 2 the indian captive by horatio king in the month of september seventeen something my health having become considerably impaired i was advised by my friends and the physician of the village to journey as a means of improving it possessing naturally a disposition to become acquainted with the situation of the country especially in my own state and neighborhood i readily acceded to the advice but the next question which arose was where should i travel how far and in what parts it was agreed finally that i should go to the white mountains i accordingly prepared for my journey and on the morning of the sixth of september after receiving from my friends their united wishes that i might have a pleasant season and return in improved health i took my departure for the beautiful village of somewhere situated on the banks of the kennebec in the state of maine the distance from my own residence to the mountains was mostly performed in carriages with an occasional ride on horseback on arriving at the hospitable mansion of mr somebody the dwelling nearest the mountains i had much to my satisfaction become recruited and so much improved in strength as to feel almost like climbing the mountain at a breath singularly enough as i thought i happened there at a time when no other stranger was present not a solitary being could be found to accompany me to the heights of mount washington even so much as a humble guide but i was now determined not to return without seeing the originally proposed end of my journey to scale the heights before me a stranger and alone was to be sure no desirable task for my ambition led me to attempt it even at the hazard of losing my way and becoming exhausted i started from my friends at eight o'clock in the morning of a delightfully pleasant day and before the sun had reached the middle of his daily course i was well nigh at the summit of the mountain yet not without feeling that i could not endure such exertion with the freedom of one who had never been broken down by disease it is needless to say that i amused myself with the grand prospect afforded and the wild scenery around until it became necessary to return i made on my ascension by the path such marks and observations as i thought would enable me to find my way back without difficulty but i was mistaken the entire afternoon was consumed in fruitless endeavors to find the path which i had followed on going up i was now weary and faint and as the sun sunk beneath the western horizon he seemed to tell me in fearful language that i should never look upon his countenance nor feel his enlivening influences again but there was no time to be lost my life was in danger i flew first to one extremity of the height which i had ascended and then to the other little removed from derangement in viewing the awful horrors of my situation alas night had come over me a faint fatigued and sick being and almost unmanned by fear but what was my surprise mingled with joy at this crisis on seeing at a little distance from me and coming toward me a tall but well proportioned man with a musket in his hand whom i took to be an indian ah young man said he on coming up what has brought you to this lonely place at this hour of the night have you no guide no protector no means of securing yourself to-night from this cold damp air none said i and i immediately informed him of my adventures and the reason of my being thus exposed rash and unfortunate youth said the stranger you deserve some punishment for thus voluntarily exposing yourself to danger and death have you no food with you not one morsel i answered in my hurry and anxiety to reach the mountain this morning i entirely forgot to bring any with me putting his hand into his pocket he drew forth a small piece of broiled meat and a slice of bread here said he eat this it may afford you a little strength and prevent you from becoming entirely exhausted a singular freak this for a pale face like you he added and i thought he was about to leave me for heaven's sake my dear sir i exclaimed would you leave me here in this chilling air and on these cold and dreary mountains to perish without a friend and alone his keen black eyes were fixed full and steadily upon me as if to read the inmost secrets of my heart when he approached and taking me by the hand hear me said he sternly will you swear what by whom i replied earnestly by him who hath sent me hither to save you swear that you will not in my life reveal to any living being the spot or dwelling to which i may lead you and all shall be well i swore he then requested me to follow him in silence and with some difficulty for i had become much exhausted i obeyed he led me a considerable distance to a part of the mountain where the footsteps of few if any but his own were ever marked and on guiding me into a secret and curious cave the old man i had already observed that from his appearance he had numbered at least score and ten looking at me with a smiling countenance said here young stranger is the place that i call my home sit down said he on that smooth stone and i will soon kindle a blaze. i have also some game in my pockets which i have just had the fortune to seize and that with a little roasting will please the palate and repair the system you have been a rash youth continued he but you are safe now and as soon as you regain your strength i will put you in a way should you wish it to find the foot of the mountain we had found it necessary before reaching the cave to procure a torch by which i was enabled to see my way well along the narrow and in many places perilous path that we were obliged to travel the old man soon built a good fire and before one hour had elapsed he had prepared a supper which appeared to me under the circumstances more inviting even than the sumptuous viands of the rich i never ate with a better relish in the meantime i could not banish the wonder and surprise excited by the fact that an individual possessing the faculties both mental and physical of my kind protector should take up his abode in a place so cold and barren and affording so few opportunities for a life of ease and happiness i was exceedingly anxious as was natural to learn the history of one whose whole character appeared so singular and strange could i dare solicit of him the desired information i almost feared to ask it but the hospitable board having been removed and the old man seeming in a cheerful mood i ventured to offer an intimation that a little conversation relative to his own history which to me be peculiarly interesting and it had its effect his eyes flashed and he sat for some time in silence at length drawing his seat nearer to me and with a look that seemed to say that none but himself should ever know his history he observed i am old young stranger as you see ready to lie down in my grave there are it is true many incidents connected with my life which if related might perhaps amuse one of your age and capacity but it grieves me to think of them i will however if you are not too much fatigued he continued tell you a short story i was of course anxious to hear what he might have to relate knowing that if i could learn nothing of his own life his knowledge of early events enabled him to give a narration of many rare and interesting occurrences and i begged that he would proceed about sixty years ago the old man commenced there lived on the banks of the Androscoggin, in what is now called the town of bethel a man who was married and had two children a son and daughter and who obtained a livelihood by hunting and fishing at that time there were several tribes of indians in the neighborhood and this friendly and peaceable family were not unfrequently disturbed by their near approach and nightly yells they however managed by prudence and caution to live safely there for several years until at length one evening of a beautiful summer's day just as the sun was going down behind the trees a hostile and wandering tribe of indians approached the humble but hitherto comparatively quiet dwelling of those lonely settlers the mother and her little daughter of seven years were employed in the house while the father and son who was then about ten years of age were gathering wood at a short distance from his dwelling the father leaving his little boy engaged in picking sticks went with his arms full of wood to the house and had no sooner reached it than he saw his hostile foes coming up and standing almost directly between him and his son he called to him and thought at first to run to his protection but saw on a moment's reflection that by endeavouring to save his life he would endanger his own for already several errors were pointed at him and put it out of his power to protect his wife and daughter who were alarmed almost to fainting in the house the only alternative left him was to flee to his house and prepare to defend them and himself there the indians now gave a horrible yell and attempted by every means in their power to enter but the father was enabled to beat them back until his wife had loaded one or two muskets which were immediately discharged upon them with good effect the contest was continued for about a half hour the wife loading and the husband firing the guns when the indians finding their attempts to enter the house fruitless, and that powder and balls were more fatal in their effect than their own weapons they took their departure such of them as were able yelling most hideously the night passed but the fear of the indians and the thought that their child might be already suffering the most cruel tortures prevented the parents as may well be supposed from receiving one moment's rest the morning dawn and six indians were seen lying dead on the ground near the house the brave hunter had not fought without carrying sorrow to the bosoms of his enemies though he suffered the loss as he believed forever of his little charles whom the indians he well knew would preserve only to torment he ventured out and immediately saw at a short distance from the house another indian who from his appearance he judged had been wounded in his wrath he approached and would have dispatched him at once had not the indian in a most heart-touching manner begged to be spared offering at the same time as an inducement to the hunter to let him live to prevent the life of his son being destroyed and return him safe to his parents on his promise to do this he was taken into the house and a little attention to his wounds enabled him to follow his savage comrades years passed away but no son came the hunter now felt that he had been deceived and regretted that he had not dispatched the savage at a blow ten years had now already elapsed and all hopes of ever seeing charles had long since been abandoned the mother had made herself an appearance in feeling old and almost helpless by grief and mourning and Eleanor, her daughter was in the last stage of consumption partly from the same cause and from seeing an affectionate mother sinking so rapidly she could remember her little brother and how he looked before the savages came and took him away her thoughts were ever upon him and the following lines composed and presented by a friend she was often heard to sing with a pensive air as she sat at her window in the evening twilight oh blessed were those hours when gay on the banks of the clear androscoggin i played with my own honest charles and when by the side of my mother i kneeled as she prayed then sickness and sorrow and cold discontent were unknown to a childhood so free and death with his arrows so awful and sure possessed no dread terrors for me but alas those blessed days are for ever no more and mourning and sorrow now reign the savage and wrath has invaded our home and dear charles has been captured and slain no more shall we sport on the banks of the stream or walk hand in hand through the grove he has gone to his rest in those regions afar where dwells naught save quiet and love Eleanor died while yet in her seventeenth year and was buried in a spot selected by herself near a large oak-tree by the house under whose shades she used often to sport with her dear brother where in the summer hours when deprived of his presence she had frequently resorted for contemplation and study the parents were now left entirely alone and few inducements to make even life itself desirable their only daughter had died in autumn and a freezing and dreary winter was at hand it was a severe cold night in the month of december and the moon shone upon the snow bright and full almost as the sun itself when two men were seen approaching the dwelling of this lonely settler they walked up to the house and kindly asked admittance supposing them to be indians belonging to some friendly tribe near by who wished to warm and rest themselves they were without hesitancy permitted to enter cold weather this old man said the eldest of the two strangers who was at once observed to be an indian addressing the hunter as they seated themselves by the fire yes was the reply and have you far to walk this cold night i have come said the indian to fulfil my promise made to you a long long time since you will recollect what my son and does he live asked the old man with much emotion he lives behold him there before you without waiting for the answer the aged parent recognizing in the till then supposed indian his own son had embraced him neither being able so overwhelmed with joy were they to utter a syllable and the mother feeble at witnessing so unexpected an event had fainted and fallen on the floor she soon however revived and was permitted once more to clasp in her arms the son whom she had long believed dead and soon expected to meet in heaven it was a scene indeed which can much better be imagined than described you will judge what were the feelings of charles on learning the death of his sister but the cause of this long delay in the return of the indian was now to be explained it may be done in few words he overtook his party in a short time after recovering from his wounds and found them mourning and almost distracted with grief for in their contest with the hunter they had lost their chief and several others of their most daring warriors and they were just preparing to feed their revenge by torturing to death with every cruel means which their savage and bloody thirsty hearts could invent their captive boy but happily he had arrived in time to save him though it had been utterly out of his power to return him to his parents before they continued their march into the western wilderness where they were finally forced to remain on account of a war which soon broke out between their own and several other hostile tribes of indians and lasted for nearly the whole time that had elapsed since they had left the banks of the androscoggin charles had not forgotten his parents though he had become habituated to the usages customs and hardships of his savage comrades and wore indeed the resemblance of an indian he now with his preserver whom he would not permit to leave him lived with his parents and supported them until worn out with age and sorrow they both in the course of two years were laid in the grave nearly at the same time charles Eaton, for that was his name had now but one friend in the world his indian protector and preserver they lived and wandered together for many years obtaining their living as they were taught to do in the wilderness until at length the poor indian was taken ill and died leaving charles entirely friendless and without a home charles lived now not because it was his own pleasure but because it was the will of heaven that he should live he for a time sought to make himself happy in society but the noisy and cold-hearted world possessed no charms for him he sought the mountains where he discovered a cave in which he entered and at once declared it his home while life remained he has thus far kept his word and said the old man springing from his seat with the activity of a boy charles eaton is the man who has just saved you my young friend from the awful pangs of death i cannot describe my surprise on hearing this announcement coming upon me as it did so suddenly i had in fact become so interested in the old man's story that i had for even forgotten the situation in which i was placed we now sought rest from sleep but little did i obtain i however by the morning found myself sufficiently recruited to venture to return to the dwelling at the foot of the mountain and from thence home which I did after first, having been directed to the right path by my own kind preserver, the Indian captive, End of section two.